Everybody, welcome to Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel, and I'm Josh. And you know what you get when you combine an adorable little girl, a crotchety old man, and a completely unrealistic view of homelessness in Chicago? Not something watchable. That's what. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. I'm not even letting us get to telling them that we're doing Punky Brewster before I start shitting on it. <laughs> He's a maniac. Maniac. <laughs> Well, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. (laughs) That couch gag went in a totally different direction than I was thinking was going to, so thank goodness. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But yes, we are uh, reviewing Punky Brewster this week, the 1980s sitcom. I don't know if you saw that, but I did sitcom in air quotes. (laughs) We're changing the tagline. Changing the tagline of the show to, well, they remade it, so I guess we gotta. Yeah. To the 2021 continuation. Yeah, it's a continuation. Yeah. Continuation. So that's a, that's a thing that happened. <laughs> another another tagline is how to make us long for Fuller House. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft Paint can be your titles. <laughs> if you like things that are better than Punky Brewster, I guarantee you will find the Monkey Clive Radio. <laughs> In addition to us on Saturdays at noon, you'll also find all things Transformers. The History of Bad Ideas, The Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcasts, and of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, The Smorgasbord. Picture this, we both butt naked, banging on the bathroom floor. Is that it? Is that it? No. No. I. It wasn't me. Okay, insert like another <sighs> 10 seconds of silence. Eventually, oh. eventually, the silence will end up taking over the whole show. <laughs> right. Yes. And I'm Joel. <laughs> Are they doing the mime show again? <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we're looking for more of this. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are on Blueberry, Stitcher, Amazon Music. We are on, um, geez. Everywhere. Spotify, everywhere. We're all over the place. I have crammed us into every nook and cranny on the internet that you can find. We are the butter that is the internet's English muffin. He's jamming us in there. We're in all the nooks and crannies. Yes. The weird analogy, but kind of fits. <laughs> and if you'd like to contact us, give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And, uh, you know, let us know if you have any ideas for shows or want to give any commentary on that. Or just call and talk to us because we want to hear from you. Yeah. I can't insult you if you don't call in. Call us and tell us how your day is going. We don't care, but we want to hear it. I care. I want to hear it. Joel Wait. cares. Yeah. yeah. Joel, Joel probably does care, but don't let that I do care. you. Don't let that scare no. you away. It's not in a weird way. I'm not going to like you know sit outside your house with binoculars again. Yeah, why would you sit outside the house? You have binoculars. You can be like across the street. Hey, That's I why wanted... it doesn't work. <laughs> I think it's about that time. No, before before we get to that time, I want to do a shout out to Tommy the Duck. Oh no, who, who supported us on our Kofi site? Oh, oh, thanks. Yeah, he says sorry it took took too long, so long to show my support. Either you don't mention it enough that I actually remember to do it, or I'm just angry over something duck related. <laughs> thanks, we Brian. Still haven't done Howard the Duck. <laughs> they still haven't made a, a how. I don't know what we're going to compare it against. He keeps giving suggestions, but. But I'm hoping they actually remake it. I am too. 
because I really want to make Patrick watch Tommy the Duck. Tommy the Duck? Yeah. Tommy the Duck, yeah. I want to watch, I want well, Patrick to watch. Is the movie. Yeah, but I want him to watch Tommy the Duck do a little dance. <laughs> make a little love. Do a little duck-like dance. Okay, Quacking. now it's about that time. I'm going to watch totally it with binoculars. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. <laughs> All right, so. Did it work? Th- it worked. Excellent. It worked. That was that was very good. You're going to get a Joel Biscuit later. Aw. And it'll be chunky. Oh. <laughs> Going with September 16th, 1984. <laughs> <That's the> corn. <laughs> corn is what makes it good. The original pilot of Punky Brewster. All right. So uh, music, the number one song in the land was What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. Good song. It's easily in my top three for Tina. I'm waiting for Patrick to shit on it. What? Uh, uh, it's a second-hand emotion. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. Okay. that That's it? Apparently. I, I quoted the song. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a decent song. I'm not going to shit on it. I mean, I just figured, you know, she was making music with Ike, and then, you know, she hit the 80s, and I following the trend, then that would be her bad period, right? Yes. No, actually, she wasn't. She wasn't awful in the eighties. Ah, yeah. And actually, I, yeah. Her biggest uh, hits with Ike, I actually don't care for. I know it's not a popular opinion. Like, I don't like. Yeah, her yeah. Version I didn't, of I didn't Mary. care for. I, I like her more as an individual artist than I liked her with Ike. Yeah, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. I, their their version of uh of um um um. Oh my God. Uh, Keep, uh, rolling down the river, but I can't. I just I literally Mary. just said Proud Mary. Yes. Oh, did you? Oh, I didn't hear. I didn't hear. <laughs> yeah, I he just said I it, it. I missed it. Yeah, but their version of Proud Mary, I do not care for at all. I'm right there with you. Well, hey, we found another one then. Moving on. So the inaugural MTV Video Music Awards was aired live on September 14th. The ceremony was hosted by Dan Aykroyd and Bette Midler at the Radio City Music Hall in New York City. Herbie Hancock was the show's most awarded artist, taking home five awards, followed by Michael Jackson, who won three. The main award, Video of the Year, went to the cars for You Might Think. Great video. This was one of only a few in the show's histories where the Video of the Year did not win any other awards. Cindy Lauper was the most nominated artist of the night with nine nods overall for two of her videos, six for Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, which eventually won the Best Female Video Moon Man, and three for Time After Time. Much attention was garnered by Madonna's controversial performance of her hit single, Like a Virgin, which she rolled around on the stage revealing lacy stockings and garters and grinding her crotch. No big surprise. Sinner. Man, Time (laughs) After Time is such an amazing song. It is. And I felt that way long before it was on Parks and Rec. Yep, good song. And I like that Cars video. I mean, I know I mentioned it when I was reading it, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a good song anyway, but it's a fun case. Rick was a weird dude, man. Then he went on to do... um... The uh, honey drippers. Most rock stars are weird people. Yeah, but he was like capital W. All right. So <laughs> finally, Reba Sabrina Hinojos, born September 16th, is known professionally as Sabrina Bryan. She is an American actress, singer, songwriter, dancer, choreographer, and television personality. She was best known as a member of the girl group, the Cheetah Girls, and starred in the Cheetah Girls, the Cheetah Girls 2, and the Cheetah Girls One World. Huh. Well, all right. Yeah, is that, I'm not that's sure a, I know who this is. That's one of those uh, Nick Nick shows, isn't it? No, nah, it's a Disney joint. Oh, it's a uh, Disney one? That's why I don't know it. I know I'd seen it advertised at some point, but that makes sense. All right. I'm not, I'm not even 100% sure that they're like a musical group. I just threw them in music. Just... No, I think they're, they're like a fake musical group that only had their albums done by Disney because they made a movie about, on Disney about them. 
Oh, so it's kind of like a um. Oh, what was the the band from Almost Famous? Stillwater. The monkeys. Kind of. Or the monkeys, yeah. Oh For, yeah, yeah. The if it's with monkeys, better. Right. Oh yeah. Sorry, I was just reading on the Cheetah Girls. Go ahead. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Ghostbusters. Yes. <laughs> no big surprise there. That is one big Twinkie. I know I've mentioned this before, but after we brought Ghostbusters home on VHS, my little brother insisted that we call him Dr. Venkman for literally a year. <laughs> Still funny. <laughs> but we always had to fast forward past the ghosts in the library. Couldn't watch that. Fine with everything else. Just not that one ghost in the very beginning. Is that what Matthew's wife calls him? <laughs> not the beginning. All right. Gene Wilder met Saturday Night Live actress Gilda Radner while filming Hanky Panky. Radner was at the time married to guitarist G.E. Smith, but Wilder and she became inseparable friends. Radner eventually divorced Smith in 1982, and Wilder and Radner married on September 14th in the south of France. They were a great couple. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Did you ever see that documentary uh, on her? Mm-hmm. No. Talked about their relationship. Well, there was a lot of it was about that. And it's just one of those, like, you wanted it to be a good relationship. And then you watch the documentary and you're like, oh, it was. Hmm. Suck it, G.E. Smith. Yeah. Look like your face is carved of leather. <laughs> <laughs> you're no Paul Schaefer. But who, Ooh, is, who right? is? Man, if they would have gotten a fight, I'd pay to see that. I'm pretty sure G.E. Smith would destroy Paul Schaefer. <laughs> yeah, Paul Schaefer's a tiny little Jew. Yeah. <laughs> he would get his ass kicked. <laughs> oh, geez, here he comes. Jeez. I better hide behind my keyboard. Is Letterman there to protect Paul? <laughs> he gets his ass kicked otherwise. I'm not sure it matters. G.E. Smith may be a flesh golem. <laughs> Maybe I can hide behind my sunglasses. <laughs> And then Crispin Glover comes out, does one of his kicks, and knocks G.E. Smith the fuck out. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Janet Gaynor was an American film, stage, and television actress and painter. One of the biggest box office draws of her era, she was the first winner of the Academy Award for Best Actress for her performances in three films, Seventh Heaven, Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans, and Street Angel. This was the only occasion on which an actress has won one Oscar for multiple film roles. Gaynor's career success continued into the sound film era, and she achieved notable success in the original 1937 version of the acronym of the week, which is ASIB, which I'm pretty sure stands for All Sex in Back. Oh. <laughs> like the back of a Volkswagen. Really, Brain? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That is A Star is Born. Uh, I mean... He's not that far off. Yeah, she was the first one to be in to play the female in the Star is Born. Hmm. Well, and for that, she received her second Best Actress Academy Award nomination. In September 1982, however, she sustained multiple injuries when the taxi cab in which she was riding was struck by a drunk driver. She never fully recovered from these injuries, and complications eventually caused her death on September 14th. Mm, absorbed. Aww. That's sad. What a shitty way to die, man. Yeah. All right, so TV. The top shows in the land were Dynasty, Dallas, The Cosby Show, and 60 Minutes. That is a full night. Yeah, it is. Uh, also. But at least you get a nap in. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> For 60 Minutes. <laughs> 60 what minutes. is it with 60 Minutes and my eyebrows? 60 Minutes is going to come up later in the show. <clears throat> Just Ooh. a little preview. In oh. 60 Minutes. A one John Richard Basehart was an American actor who starred as Admiral 
Harriman Nelson in the television science fiction drama Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. He also portrayed Wilton Knight in the pilot episode of Knight Rider and provided the narration that was heard during the opening credits throughout the entire series. Basehart died in Los Angeles on September 17th following a series of strokes. He was 70 years old. Different strokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Jesus. It takes different strokes to kill the Knight Rider. Oh, man. Oh. Hey, Pat, you realize that 70 is only 20 years away for you? Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? Ouch. Good. I mean, I'm betting fuck? I won't make it, but, you know. I know. If I hit 50, I'm going to pay attention to see who buys something really big and new when I turn 50. And I'll be like, you you bet against me, you jerk. <laughs> Holy shit. Mike, why'd you have to say that? Because? I mean, what do you want from me, man? It t- turns out the thing works. that's really big will actually be a sniper rifle. People <laughs> are going against you getting to 51. <laughs> All right, so Miami Vice premiered on September 16th, and The Cosby Show premiered on September 20th of this year. Miami Vice apparently did not take off that well that first. uh... It premiered at number three. That's pretty impressive. Hmm. Yeah, I vaguely remember when we did The Miami Vice Show. It was not an instant hit. Took a little bit of rolling to get it going. I think so. I I thought Rolling of the sleeves. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was an instant smash, and I'm thinking of something else. All right, moving on to sports. On September 18th, Tim Raines became the first MLB player with four consecutive stolen base, 70 stolen base seasons. I find it kind of hard to believe that Ricky Henderson never did that. But, stolen base seasons? Yeah. Like st- stealing 70 bases in, in a season did that four seasons. Oh, okay. Yeah. And lastly, John <gasps> Timus Eichen was an English cricketer who played in 18 tests from 1946 to 1955. A calm, popular left-hander who also bowled leg spin, Eichen played most of his cricket for Lancashire. After losing perhaps his best years to World War II, during which he fought at Tobruk, he became a mainstay of the team, recording a 1,000 runs in a season 11 times. He was a solid left-handed batsman whose statistically modest test record underplayed his contribution to the team as a sturdy foil to such players as Bill Edrick, Len Hutton, and Dennis Compton. Yes, the Dennis Compton. <laughs> John Thomas Eichen died September 14th. At least that time I understood every part of the cricket facts. <laughs> we should, like, when we're all together again, like, watch a cricket match. Just see if it makes any more sense. I've got a cricket bat. We can try and play it. I, I, I don't want to get active. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Well, would we have to move for that? I'm, I'm thinking we can monetize that video and make a shitload of money. <laughs> so we either have to move a little or sit down on a couch and watch cricket for like 17 hours. <laughs> and that'd be just one game. Huh. All right, I'll move. <laughs> Tough choice. Tough choice. Play us off, keyboard Joel. Na 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 na. So, nineteen eighty four rolls around, and somebody says, "Hey, I have an idea for a TV show." And everybody else says, "That sounds terrible." Wouldn't it be great to have a sitcom about a homeless kid? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it worked for Oliver. Oh, Did the it? laughs in in the Charles Dickens novels. May I have some more, please? <laughs> He's starving. <laughs> he wants soup. Um. So, yeah, this is uh, Punky Brewster. <laughs> Sorry. I got to give props to Joel for that one. We're shoehorning that in. Yeah. yeah. Oh. She said. Oh, yikes. 
All right. So uh, Punky Brewster is a TV show launched in early early 80s. Young Punky Brewster is abandoned with her dog, Brandon, in a supermarket when she befriends Henry Warmont and her new life, family life begins. Uh, all right. So this is created by David W. Duclon, who, if you did not know. Or is it Ducklin? 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 I don't know. Duc- I'm sincerely asking. It, no, I could be Duclon. could be Ducklin. I don't know. It's French. Who the hell knows? This is also the producer on Punky Brewster, Silver Spoons. Family Matters, credit, props to you if you remember this, but Working Stiffs. That's familiar. Working Stiffs, the Michael Keaton and James Belushi sitcom you never knew you needed. Huh. Yeah. Where's my Small Wonder? You still don't need. Let's see. Small Wonder? I don't know. I don't think he did Small Wonder. He did Uh Family Matters. He did Guys Like Us, Malcolm and Eddie, and then did nothing from 2000 to until like, I wouldn't be surprised to find out Small Wonder was him. So we know when this happened. We know what it's about. We know who did it. But I promised to talk about 60 Minutes. Yes. Because 60 Minutes, inadvertently, is why this show happened. There was an FCC ruling that said the first hour of primetime in the United States had to be dedicated either to family programming or like news, cultural enrichment and the like. The problem is, is 60 Minutes was crushing every other news show all the other networks could throw at it. And after trying unsuccessfully for years to compete with 60 Minutes, they're like, screw it. We'll go a different direction. We're allowed to do family entertainment. Let's make a family comedy. A broken family comedy. Well, yeah, and I, I think one of the reasons I don't like it is because I'd already seen this concept twice. Uh, we mentioned different strokes in a different context, but really, different strokes in Webster are the same show, but this time you've got a homeless little white girl. That's the big big difference. Otherwise, That's the twist. She's, it's the she's same. Way more precocious than anybody else, though. I mean, precocious meter was, is like off the roof. Web, Webster was pretty precocious. That's true. She yeah, had a dog too, and she had punky power. Oh, God. God damn it! Where's my list? I gotta Let's... find my list because I gotta kick you in the nuts for that now. There it is. Okay. I didn't Mark say I down. have punky power. I was just quoting what she said. It doesn't make it right, Joel. <laughs> just because oh, Sully it... Fry does it doesn't mean you should do it. So <laughs> that's what... Charlie Sheen. You should absolutely do Charlie Sheen. I understood that reference. I knew you would. <laughs> Charles. He, is that what he prefers to be called? Charles Sheen. We'll, we'll definitely get to that in the second half. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yes, this stars George Gaines, who, if you watch the show, you go, hey, that's Commandant from the Police Academy movies. And it 100% is. So he was in there for 88 episodes. Sully Moon Fry is Penelope Punky Brewster. Sandy as Brandon, Sherry Johnson as Cherie, Susie as Garrett Johnson, Sherry Johnson, yes, yeah. uh, Susie Garrett as Mrs. Johnson, Amy Foster as Margot, Casey Ellison as Alan, T.K. Carter as Mike, and of course, it's the '80s, Eddie Deason as Eddie. Ugh. Gotta have the nerdy super, yeah, who's super nerdy. Ah, uh, uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, this. I came to fix your toilet, Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I, now, okay. I'm sorry, Joel. Okay. Thank I you know, for Joel crushed it. We have no reaction to that. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> See you next week, folks. Got nothing. Uh, T.K. Carter, who played Mike. If anybody got this far enough into their demos, recognize what he was from. No, I, I I made myself suffer through like one episode of the show because I remember uh, not liking it as a kid. He played Nalls in the thing, the uh, John Carpenter movie. He was one of the oh. yeah. He was one of the researchers. No, who was that? Uh, T. K. Carter. He was oh. the yeah. He wasn't the he wasn't the guy. Um, yeah, he was he was the guard in the hallway. He right? wasn't David Keith. Yes, he was. He was the black dude with the bandana, not David Keith. Or Keith David, sorry. I always Keith get those David. backwards. David Keith is a white guy. Keith now David. we're on a list. Thanks a lot, Joel. No, there's nothing wrong with what I said. But uh, but yeah, so some trivia on this one. Sherry Johnson is the niece of the show's creator and producer, David Duckman, <laughs> who was who named the character for her. I don't think it went like that. I really don't think he named the character for her. I guess he I think he was just like, Yeah, we'll call you your name just so you don't get confused. No, that's that was uh, pretty well documented that he wrote the character based on her. Like he basically oh. wrote his niece into the show, but didn't expect she'd get cast to play herself. Oh, well, okay. I rescind my snarky comment. Uh nevertheless, she did like Josh said, she auditioned for the role like everyone else and picked by the network to play the role. Uh the program producing unit of the NBC network produced the first two seasons. When it was canceled, the show was then sold to Columbia Pictures Television for sixty million dollars in nineteen eighty three money. Three, four, five, eighty five money. What's crazy is when the show moved, uh, at first Soleimoon Fry did not show up to work until she was threatened to be sued for an amount very close to sixty million dollars. Ooh. Yeah, they, they threatened a lawsuit and she showed up to work. No, yeah, that'll do it. What's interesting, though, is that during that whole thing, the, there was the cartoon that was running between 85 and 87 simultaneously right in between when that happened. So, huh. Which is interesting because I, God damn it, Joel, I went down a. Did you go down a punky hole? <laughs> Whoa, Jesus hold on. Christ. Dude, <laughs> let me fill you back up. <laughs> Dang, I now I got to write that down. Note to self remove his pedophile comment. <laughs> uh, on the, car- yeah, the cartoon, Punky was with Glomer. Was yep. ran from eighty five to eighty seven, like the two Leprechaun seasons. Gopher. Yes, uh, who was vo- this? Is now this is where it gets a little weird because Punky Brewster and George Gaines and Frank Welker voice Glomer, but Sully Moon Fry and George Gaines only voiced their uh, characters Punky and Henry for four episodes, and then got taken over by somebody else. Frank Welker only did the voice of Glomer for three. It's Glomer. Yeah, probably did three episodes. He's like, you know, I got this robot thing going over here. I think it's really good. I should go over there now. I don't know why. I think it's going to be a hit. (laughs) I'm too busy playing Fred and Scooby and And, uh, everything else. Yeah. Uh, Punky's dog, Brandon, was named after then NBC programming chief Brandon Tartikoff. On the show, Punky named Brandon after the actor Marlon Brando, but mistakes his name as Marlon Brandon. As you do. Aw, it's so cute. The first Marlon Brando movie she ever saw was Last Tango in Paris. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, the theme song for Punky Brewster is Every Time I Turn Around. It was written by Gary Portnoy, uh, sung and, uh, I'm sorry, sung by Portnoy and also written by Judy Hart Angelo. Gary Portnoy also was the writer of uh, Where Everybody Knows Your Name. Hmm. Oh. Yep. Everybody Knows Your Name and Mr. Belvedere was another one of the the big ones that he did. I gotta say the uh uh the the Cheers theme song is is a better song. Much better song. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I I watched Punky Brewster when I was a kid, and I did not even remember the theme song. That has a lot. I think that has a lot to do with it. It's like if you remember a show, like we say, hey, remember Transformers as a kid? You could rattle off the Transformers theme song without a, missing a beat. I did not recognize any of it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know I watched this. Like, I know I watched it for a couple of seasons because it's what was on TV. What am I going to do? Watch 60 Minutes? Yeah, that's true. Watch What's His Name's Eyebrows. Watch that new show, The Cosby Show? Never heard of it. But it wasn't on at the same time. This was like Sunday nights. Hmm. So this also had two spinoff shows, including Fenster Hall and the It's Punky Brewster, which was actually the real title for the cartoon Punky Brewster show. Um, one thing that I was happy to not see in the trivia is how someone else almost got cast as Henry Warnemont. Oh, I did see that and I didn't put it in. Uh, Fred Gwynn showed up to audition for Henry Warnemont. He was desperately trying to break from what he felt was typecast after having played Herman Munster. He came in to read the lines and little Soleil Moon Fry at seven years old looked at him and said, aren't you Herman Munster? He got embarrassed and walked out of the audition. Uh, it might have been more entertaining if it was. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, funky. Like I said, I had to look kind of into the history of this show because there's only so many ways you can say that this show sucked for the first half of the show. You you went pretty deep on this. I had to because like it was painful for me to rewatch this. I, I and I was hoping, okay, maybe time. I, I'm an adult now. I I can go back and I can find what was so magical about this show to so many people. And no, see, I'm in the same boat because I asked people about this. I'm like, hey, you know, it's uh, you know, Punky Brewster. Oh yeah, I remember Punky Brewster. All right, what do you remember from the show? Tell me what you tell me what you remember. Tell me anything. I remember it was like the dude from from Police Academy and the little girl. Yeah, it's like I could not find any. Everybody remembered the show, but nobody could tell me anything about it. Yeah, like, you know, you think of different strokes. You're like, oh, yeah, there was a very special episode. Or you think of, you know, every every show has something kind of memorable. And, you know, even though I suggested the show, I could not think of any episodes that stood out of my mind. And uh, like I said, I didn't remember the theme song. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of coming at it with the same way that Josh was, where I was like, all right, let's see now as a 46-year-old man what people saw in it, because there are a lot of people that reacted to it. And uh, in what we had talked about pre-show that we'll talk about in the second half, obviously it connected with a lot of people. And there was one episode that should have been the very special episode. Maybe it was for a bunch of people, just not me. Because uh, one other thing I dug up while researching the history of this show oh, was yeah. that... Uh, after Krista McAuliffe died in the Challenger explosion. Uh, I don't know if uh, you guys watched this or knew about this episode. No. Yeah. Um, Basically, a lot of kids, uh, including me, watched the Challenger explosion happen because it was educational. There was a teacher going there. So we all got traumatized when we saw them all die. And they decided that uh, the way they were going to try and help kids process this trauma was to have Punky go through it as well. And to talk about like how she wanted to be an astronaut and this whole thing messes with her. And uh, she's about to give up her dream because of what happened to Krista McAuliffe. And Buzz Aldrin comes on the show and convinces her to follow her dreams. Like that's that's a sweet like concept, and it's shocking to me that I didn't remember it ever happened. Well, there was also the three part episode where they uh, were thrown out a fridge. This is not a joke, and mm-hmm. one of the kids gets stuck in the fridge, and they have to. George has to do CPR to revive him 
or Henry, I, thought, I mean. I thought it was a Punky that had to do it because I know. Oh, that, maybe it was Punky. I, I, that episode about CPR was actually as a result of a poll from kids. Like kids came up with that concept. Huh. Right. And it was a dual, like, here's why uh, learning CPR is a good thing, and here's why playing in refrigerators is a bad thing. And apparently when they did that in front of a live studio audience, the kids fucking lost their minds when they thought <laughs> that Sherry Johnson was dead in the fridge. <laughs> so, so it was just anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Let her out! Why would you put her in a refrigerator? Yeah. Part episode, she's gonna die. <laughs> a very special nightmare starring Sully Moon Fry. <laughs> the other then, thing interesting about uh, the making of this show is because it was on Sundays, uh, it was frequently going to be the show that would be preempted if football ran long. So, if you notice, especially uh, in the early episodes before the show became a bona fide hit, there is a middle of the episode almost break where you could chop any episode into two 15-minute chunks. So if football ran long, you could still run the first 15 minutes and pick up the next Sunday. That's kind of clever. That that was, like I said, I, I had to find something to talk about that wasn't how much I hate this show. Now, we haven't heard anything from Patrick yet. Right. As he looks over to his Sully Moon Fry Punky Brewster cardboard stand-up. <laughs> yes, I, I used to wallpaper my room with Punky Brewster posters. And that um, was just in college. It's a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this this show, I I never watched it when I was a kid. Had never really had any interest in it. Um, I wasn't the target audience, even as a. I mean, I guess I kind of was. I was twelve. You know, they were looking to, for you know, but it just it just never appealed to me in any way. Um, and going back and watching it now for the first time, I can see why I didn't even give it a chance. I mean, it's just it. The acting is so not good. It's just, it's just not. I mean, this 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 girl is obviously a smart child. She's a, you know, a, you can tell like as an actress, like she's a smart person, and you can tell she's got charisma and all this kind of stuff, and she knows her lines, and she's a professional, but she's just not a good actress. It just, it's, it doesn't come naturally to her, and you can easily tell when she's doing things that she's thinking, oh, I have to, I have to pout my lips now and touch my nose. I have to do that. You can tell that she, I mean, she, she's never that good of an actress that you can never. You can always tell when she's acting. Even in the fourth season, I watched I watched six different episodes just to make sure that I hated it as much as I did. You brave, did, brave man. Did you watch the series finale, though? Um, I didn't watch the... I was going to watch the last episode, and basically I realized, I was like, nah, I need to watch some of them before I... Well, let if me... If I realized uh, how much I wouldn't like the new one, spoiler alert, I would have gone ahead and watched another one of the old ones. But... Let me, uh, let me enlighten you all on the last episode of the series ever. Until it wasn't supposed to be the last episode, from what well, I that, understand. That's just it, because when Laura and I watched it, I'm like, now, I'm, I don't know this one way or the other before we start, but I'm wondering if they knew that they were going to be canceled. Found out pretty quickly that they didn't, because the entire episode, the last episode of the fourth season... Brandon gets married to another dog and the whole episode are flashbacks to Brandon's life and the marriage of the two dogs. That's the last episode that aired. I don't know what I thought you were going to say, but dog marriage isn't it. <laughs> that was I'm, not on my list. I mean, he was one of the better characters on the show, so why not do an end with a retrospective of the dog? Well, and the other thing that was a little weird about it is that, you know, Brandon, when she first shows up at, at Henry's uh, apartment complex, is a puppy. 
is a very is very young puppy who very well behaved actually but in the last episode of the fourth season she's got white around her muzzle uh or his muzzle excuse me and um is way older than should well, should have been it, it, i mean it, it clearly even though she aged in real time obviously it wasn't written in a week to week thing i mean they even in the the first three episodes they talk about how weeks passed in between sec you know in between weeks yeah but i mean even if it had been i don't know five years later four i mean i don't know why they wouldn't have made it four years later but that the dog brandon in in the fourth season looked like they were like 10 11 i'm gonna tell you right now Oops, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to tell you right now. It's like, it occurred to me that the dog was very well behaved when scenes were going on. I was like, oh, that dog really, you know, is chilling. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Until the scene where Punky had to leave the dog behind and she went over and said goodbye to him. That friggin' dog was drugged. Yeah, we kind of felt the same way because it was sound asleep on several occasions. It was sound asleep and he's going <laughs> in his, I'm like, that. they they gave that dog a roofie. I wouldn't disagree that they probably... It was the 80s. Everybody was given animals roofies at the time. It was the thing to do. The dog had a problem with... Uh, 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 oh, damn it. What was the popular drug then? Not cocaine. Uh, quaaludes. Yes. The dog was Jeez, taking quaaludes. Why did that pop up so quick? Good so job. we were going to go even darker, and the dog was going to show up at a bicycle shop. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Hooper. It's like, hey, you want some, uh, some of this uh, red juice? I don't remember what he called it now. Jesus juice? No. That was Michael Jackson. How did the dog even learn how to tie the rubber band around its arm? I don't even get it. It doesn't have thumbs. How'd the dog write its own vows? Right? Where have we gone? I don't know. I, you know, I, uh, I, I remembered watching it when I was a kid. I remember watching the cartoon even as a kid, but I can't disagree with what anybody has said so far because it was kind of fun from a nostalgic place, but it really was kind of rough. Uh, no pun intended and kind of surprised me that it did last four seasons. And I, I don't know, I guess maybe it's credit to Soleil Moon Fry for being popular and whatever all you I mean, said. I, I remember hearing much more about her as a person, as an actress than I did about like the show itself. Yeah. And she crushed it in interviews. Like you yeah, go back yeah. and watch some of those interviews. She was undeniably an incredibly charismatic little girl. Yeah, very intelligent little girl. I And I'm not sure if it was she's not a good actress or the script was just terrible because it was like, you know, uh, <clears throat> like the like the bre- uh, the breakfast scene. George comes out and says something to Punky. Punky responds back with something quippy. George replies back. Punky says something about his age. Everybody laughs. Yeah, it's, and, very, it's a very formulaic uh, sitcom. And it's like even the, the the lines that are written well, which are few and far between, are delivered badly. And then the lines that are bad are delivered worse. just as yeah are delivered even worse. And so it's like it's it's bad acting and bad writing. And even when when you know when something you know the acting is good, the writing is bad, or the you know it, it's never they don't ever coincide where a good line gets delivered well. Yeah, and I think they knew that by like the the end of the first second episode when they're like the, the first episode like this is going bad nobody's liking this sort of thing and they're like call the Deason, right i was like this is 80s yeah eddie Deason with a with a plunger and a shop vac and a rubber duck and yeah, a just, bunch just of a, like a, the most useless you know batman utility belt you can just <laughs> yeah just i'd never cared for eddie Deason as a character as an actor as a anything and like the idea that he's brought in to be your comic savior proves how bad your sitcom is 
Well, it almost felt like it was a second, like it was an afterthought. Like they like, we need something to fill the time slot. Well, here, put A, B, and C together. Add, you know, number nine and a couple of sixes. We need, we need some zaniness. It, it, yeah, it felt it did. I mean, when you said formulaic, that's exactly the word I thought of as I was watching it. I kind of it, feel bad for Eddie, though. Oh, hey, he made his money being being just what he was. All right. Yeah, I just I, I think at one point, I mean, I'm sure he's making bank and all that because he's still I mean, like Polar Express, you know, he's recently in something called the Love Suckers. What? 2016. Oh, oh my God. Uh, that is the worst movie poster <laughs> I've ever... Well, that noise, and that's the oh, worst sorry. movie poster I've ever seen in my life. I'm currently looking it up because I want to see it. Yeah, it's awful. Note to self, put this in the show notes because everybody needs to see this awfulness. What, what the 2016, the short thing? Yeah. All right, I'm clicking on it now. Oh, Lord. What the fuck? Uh, well, they're looking at Eddie Deason's short thing. I think we need to take a break. <laughs> yeah, I do. And then come on back and uh, you thought I was crapping on the original Punky Brewster. <laughs> Wait till we come back. Yeah. All right, we'll be back in a bit. We'll talk about 2021's Punky Brewster. Yeah, that's the thing. All right. Punky power. Whose idea was this? Mine. Fuck you. I take full credit. Hello and welcome to The Bridge. This is where we've got the Geek Life Radio Artist and Song of the Week, which is WWSD by Ukla the Mock. This is just a sample, but I'll be posting the whole song after the end of the show, so enjoy. The YouTube video is also in the show notes. When you're unsure of your life Like if you don't know whether to wear your yellow sweater or leave your wife If your mind's in a fog don't think too much, but you trust in dog. If you can't tell right from wrong, sing yourself that song, and you'll always know just what to do. Scooby Dooby Doo, what would you do in my shoes? Scooby Dooby Doo. So, in uh, now twenty something nowish, someone said, "Hey, remember that sitcom, Punky Brewster?" Everyone said, yeah, I totally remember that. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah, that was the thing, wasn't it? And I was like, yeah, remember that? We should make another one. And everyone went, all should, right. Should we? <laughs> Is that a thing? Really? Call Freddie Prince Jr. He's not busy. Doing the dishwasher commercials. Is that what he's doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's doing the We Do It Every Night dishwasher commercials. He was. It? Now he's yeah. making punky money. So now, and then they said, okay, but only if we can make the remake as soulless as possible. <laughs> Please don't ever say punky money again. <laughs> All right. So this is a follow-up. He's making Brewster's millions. There you go, Patrick. Oh, 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 that better. is genius. Much oh, better. Oh, my God. Yes. Should have gone with that instead of punky money. <laughs> I do like that one. That, that is good. Nice. The follow-up to the series, 1980 sitcom, when everybody said, hey, remember that show? It ended with the dog wedding. What the hell happened after that? I need closure. <laughs> People were like, you do? <laughs> really? Of all the things to get excited about, I'm not sure about this. Um, yeah, this one, she shows up in an apartment building again, and she's homeless, and she gets taken in by a child. It's weird. It's like a reversal. And there's a dog divorce at the end. Yep. <laughs> Spoiler alert. And the dog is named Tartikoff. <laughs> Tartikoff. I know I'm not supposed to laugh at my own joke, but that's funny. That is <laughs> funny. Good. That's pretty, that good. Is pretty funny, yeah. 
but yeah, no. So this one um, is stars Soli Moon Fry as Punky Brewster again. Sherry Johnson as Sherry. Again. Co- again. Yeah. Quinn Copeland as Izzy for the first time. Noah Cottrell as Diego. Oliver De Los Santos as De- Dan- Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. Hey, Aaron. Hey, don't you talk to me. Uh, Lindsay, Lauren Lindsay Donzis as Hannah. And Freddie Prince Jr. making pancakes as Travis. Making, making pancakes. Making pancakes. Making, making. What? You making, okay? making pancakes. It's an Adventure Time reference. Sorry. I, oh, I got it. Okay, yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so some trivia on this one. So, Punky is a character's nickname given to her in the original series from the 1980s. Her first name is Penelope. Which but, is mentioned in the 80s, so I don't know yeah. why it's trivia for now. but Oh, that'll just give you a good tip-off to the trivia that's on this show. Oh. Yeah. Brandon was the name of Punky's dog in the original series. Brandy is the name of the dog in this one. Some, uh, trivia! <laughs> that's trivial. That is. Lauren Lindsay Donzis, who plays Hannah, and Sully Moon Fry, who plays Punky have both acted in shows with Melissa Joan Hart. Lauren Lizzie Donzis starred as Melissa Joan Hart's daughter on the show No Good Nick. Suleiman Fry starred as Roxy as Sabrina in Sabrina the Teenage Witch with Melissa Joan Hart. How are they going to mention this in the trivia and not mention that Melissa Joan Hart actually tried out for the role of Punky Brewster back in the 80s? It wasn't That's better trivia. Yes. And although the original Los Angeles apartment building used for the exterior shots of Henry's apartment building looked exactly the same in 2021, the producers opted to use a facade building located on Universal Studios' lot that looked significantly different. Proving how much they phoned it fucking in. I just looked up this No Good Nick show, and uh, it's Melissa Joan Hart and Sean Astin. What? Sean Astin plays, looks like her husband. I thought at first you said John Aston. <laughs> John, they got his corpse. Be different. His corpse is leaned up against <laughs> that, the wall. That was my, why my reaction was what? <laughs> Wait, I, I thought we established after I was pretty sure he was dead that John Aston is actually alive. Let's make sure it's still true, because yeah, yeah, he's still alive. I remember like a wow. hundred episodes ago. I was like, yeah, we yeah before him. he died, I got to see him and lend me a tenner. And then like ten minutes later, I'm like, wait, he's not dead. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> he would be very disappointed to hear the news. Our apologies, John. We thought you were dead again, twice. All right, so John Aston and <laughs> plays Melissa Joan Hart's husband. <laughs> no good, Nick. About a a gold digger. Sean Aston. Yes, Sean Aston. Sean Aston. And there was an episode with the No Good Nick, but I'm feeling much better now. Mr. Frodo. Anyway. (laughs) I know. That was the worst Sean Aston. The Norwegian version of The the Hobbit? (laughs) We should talk about this before we start doing Rudy impressions. Rudy, That's so Rudy. funny. I was getting ready. I was trying to think of a Rudy joke. <laughs> Anything to keep us from talking about this show. It is. I was going to go into like you're a five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. <laughs> as soon as this show started and people started cheering every time someone came out, I was like, oh no, we're in for no. it now. When they cheered after she said the phrase punky power, I was like, Ugh. now you said it. <sighs> Yay. Like I STD. I found myself like looking forward to the commercial so I could find something more <laughs> sincere and less emotionally manipulative. 
<laughs> like every single one of those children was like made out of a made from a focus group. Mm-hmm. I think this is a TV show made by committee. Yes. And I just like it's only because of the existence of two broke girls that this is not the worst sitcom ever made. <laughs> Thank you, two broke girls. That's the only time I'm ever going to say that. <laughs> no, this is this is a hundred percent written by a bunch of people sitting around a desk. I mean, I, I I give them some credit for trying to create a a, a family that is broken but functional. With kids that are from all different walks of life, and and Daniel, you know, obviously has there's some can uh, not concern. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Uh, there's some evidence that he may be, you know, transgendered. You've got the only. I mean, the only thing I was curious about is how they were going to bring the character back of Punky, and they went for what I thought was kind of the easier route, where it's almost the identical situation. Which I felt it's, like it's just another homeless abandoned kid, right? Who's mm-hmm. very quirky and uh, intelligent and precocious. Yeah. So it felt a little like a cop out to me in that regard because I thought they maybe could have gone a different way. Like we were talking about before we started it, and Laura's like, "Well, what if you know she now works for Fenster Hall or some sort of organization for at risk kids, and that's the show? You know, is her kind of." being in that role and i was like well that would be kind of interesting and then they went the other way and yep. basically did the exact same thing again and i was like yeah that feels a little shoehorned kind of uh appealing to the widest demographic possible but then still making everyone feel like they've been pandered to yeah and it doesn't help that with the possible exception of noah cattrell the uh, <laughs> older of the two boys the child actors are horrid they're, they're just yeah. not good <laughs> No, yeah, Dan- the Daniel actor is just oh, he's horrible. <laughs> Daniel's bad. Hannah's bad. Izzy is instantly infuriating. Yeah, Izzy. It, I don't know. It, it, she's another one of those that, that seems like you you could just see it in her face. I'm acting. Well, I mean to uh, cut her some slack. I mean she is like what eight, seven. Yeah, but I mean I don't know. it's one of those things where you could cut them slack, but we've seen too many performances by eight and seven and 10 year olds and whatever that have been too amazing. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you know, um, Kirsten a Dunst, kid, a kid won an Oscar, you know, no. for Drew Barrymore and ET for yeah, sure. I mean, there's, there's been, you know, J- Haley Joel Osment in the sixth sense. I mean, there's been so many performances of kids. Even the kid in big daddy was better than, you know, Daniel in this show. This is, and- this is the director going, just say the line kid. It's almost five o'clock. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it seems like the only person on this entire set that that isn't phoning it in is you know Saleo Moon Fry herself, and that's because she has everything invested in this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and that's the thing is when you've got we know that these good child actors exist, it's a little hard to watch great value Curly Sue. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I don't know. I I don't. I found this more appealing than the original. But I felt I, like it maintained the same tone and script choices and... Yeah, a manipulative tone, a terrible script. Acted it, awfully. It, well, I mean, if you look at the amount of sitcoms that have come after the original series and how many we've had that are amazing... You think uh, they would have learned? that? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like maybe they could have done something better or something more interesting with the character than to update the original material and add more uh, sexual innuendo or 
you know, adult themes to it. Uh, cause that's one thing the original didn't have. And this one does. I was watching, uh, the pilot episode with my sister. Uh, she came in right after I started it and I'm like, well, if you're going to be in here, this is what we're watching. <laughs> and a couple of times she made some comments and one, and, and at one point I stopped it. I'm like, just so we can briefly talk about it. Cause, and I said that uh, it was right after this one particular scene where a character responded to someone and how did, so how did that work out for you? And I just stopped it immediately. And then, and I was, and I started ranting. I'm like, this is what's kind of bugging me about this show right now. It's like, it's like, nobody's really writing this. This is just a bunch of stuff stuck together. Like mm-hmm. these are just sentences that people say, and somebody just assembled them all together into a, a script. Like nobody's really writing this. Like you're trying to take credit for that as a joke. You're like, like you set, you set up a, a, a punch, you know, you set up a punchline and the punchline that you write is, Oh, well, how did that work out for you? Which is something that everybody in every office says to everybody else to drive them insane. You know, it's, it's like one of the most rote, like little comedy lines of all time right now. It's a, so overused by every, everyone, you know, everyone has done that, that line. Even Carlos Mencia. The dream work. Yeah. Even Carlos Mencia yeah. won't steal that joke. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like, it's such a useless comedy line and you're putting that into a show that's written in 2021. Like it's something clever that you've come up with. Yeah. I mean, I found myself being able to predict what was going to be said next because it is it is to, again, go back Awful. to what Josh said previously. It's very formulaic. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't know if she made some phone calls to some friends or whatever, but um, I, I made it. We watched uh, the first three episodes and I'm actually I'm planning on continuing at least long enough to see her mom. Um, because I know that she is coming up in one of the episodes, and I don't know who plays her, but... I couldn't believe they dangled that in the very first episode. <clears throat> I was a little surprised, but Dude, Seth... Just, just Google it. I continue <laughs> to question how you spend your time. Seth Green, <laughs> Seth Green showed up in the third episode as that's, a... That's a reason? I like Seth Green, but that's not going to make me watch this whole show. Well, and the thing was, is even even Seth Green felt like he was there because he got a phone call from soleil and she's like hey remember how we hung out in the 80s you want to do an episode of my of my rebooted show yeah you want to help me out here do a favor and he showed up and he did it and they they went on a date that was their thing that was like her first date after her divorce was with seth green and i do kind of get that having so wait 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 wait. Wait, i'm sorry just so she traded up from freddie prince jr to seth green yeah uh they're about the same height at least so nah. I, I kind of get the she calls people up who are Hollywood stars and they're willing to do this for her, even though it's of no value to society whatsoever, because I watched Kid 90. And as much as I don't like any of her work, uh, looking at who Soleil Moon Fry is as a person, like, I think she's pretty cool. And like, if there's anything you could take away from this, like, don't, don't watch this, but watch Kid mm-hmm. 90 because like her life from well, do you do you want to explain what kid 90 is uh, basically soleil moon fry from the time she was a teenager she had a video camera all the time and she taped everything all of her interactions with her friends who were a lot of other child stars and eventually uh, other people that went on to do incredible things uh, anytime she got a voicemail message like uh she saved all of her answering machine tapes she saved all her diaries and she locked everything up for about 20 years and didn't look at it 
And when she finally decided to go back through all those memories, considering she was friends with Jonathan Brandis, who committed suicide, a couple other high profile suicides or accidental deaths, like she had to process her survivor's guilt, go through because she didn't have the typical like childhood parents thrust her onto stage and she had a shitty childhood. She actually had a loving family and they did acting because they wanted to. But, like, that doesn't mean that her upbringing was filled with tragedy. It's like a different take on the child star tragedy. And it was honestly, like, a gripping watch. So yeah. Sully Moon Fry is a lot more interesting than Punky Brewster. 100%. So yeah. watch that. And Joel, Sharon Lawrence. I don't want to know. <laughs> well, I just saved you a day and a half. There you go. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, the documentary, if anybody's interested, is streaming on Hulu. And I agree with Josh. We watched it last night, and um, I I was surprised at how, like, astute and how uh, very kind of aware of herself she was at such a young age. And I, I put that a lot on her parents, who, um, even though it seemed like they weren't together, were still around. Um, her dad was big with, in the civil rights movement and was, you know, very active, which kind of took him away from being a dad, but, uh, you know, instilled a lot of that, I think in her and she ran with some weird, weird crowds. Like she ran with the the group, the kids from the the movie kids, the Harmony Corinne film. And after she moved to New York, wanting to get away from Hollywood, she fell in with the skaters. Yep. Who happened Mm to be a part of Hollywood ultimately, not necessarily for the same reason as she was, but, uh, yeah, the 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 documentary is is really well done. She directed it, and uh, uh, if if you were a kid in the '90s, it, for nostalgia purposes, it's good just for that. But then to see all these stars that have gone on, like Leonardo DiCaprio or Stephen Dorff or uh, David Arquette, back kind of without the paparazzi's lens, you know, being themselves, it's it's really fascinating. Yeah, and she makes a big point that, like, or maybe it wasn't her. I think it was somebody else made a point that, like, now this couldn't have happened because uh, this was before the Internet. So if there's a camera on you, you're wondering, like, am I going to do something embarrassing that's going to live forever? But this is pre-internet, so they were just doing whatever, being themselves, saying embarrassing things, doing drugs, uh, figuring out what their life was going to be like, and it was all filmed and they didn't care. Yeah, I don't know if that was either Mark Paul Gossler or uh, uh, might have been Dorf or oh, Brian, Brian Austin Green. Might have been Brian Austin. Green. Might have been Brian Austin Green. Yeah, but it's 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 really it's really a good watch. And you know, although you guys didn't care for the show that much, either of them, that I think is is absolutely worth your time, hundred um, percent. But I didn't hate the show. I already I think I already said that, but. I I wouldn't say that it's even remotely close to being into any sort of top list of any kind. All right. Yeah. I think they tried. Well, I I, I mean, don't think they did. Yeah. It's it's very much like I said so formulaic. It's so <clears throat> we we want to make lazy. something it's just, it's, it's, it's lazy writing and it's a it's insultingly a a uh, a <clears throat> chemical imbalance that'll that's trying to appeal to everybody. Yeah, and now that I know how much I like Soleil Moon Fry, it's like I want to see her in something that's actually good. Like in some ways, it makes the show worse if that's even possible to well, like her go. and want better for her. Yeah, you feel like you're watching somebody being tortured. Yikes! Well, I mean, in a way, that's that's kind of, I'm I'm serious about that. Like because you, you just know she's in there, like the one the one trying, and everybody else is just so bad. 
And she's just like, well, I've got to keep trying to pull everybody with me. Well, I think part of it for her is like, this is my chance to become relevant again. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of her career after the original Punky Brewster was in low-budget horror films. She was in uh, Pumpkinhead 2, Blood Wings, which is, I didn't care for the first one, but... And Piranha. Yep. She did a lot of voiceover work, too. Um, Well, currently on IMDb, Punky Brewster, the the new one is sitting at 6.9 out of 10, which I have a feeling that a lot of that is um, the nostalgia factor that we talk about on the show. Because uh, the original series is sitting at 6.6, which seems really high to me. Me too. I um, agree. Maybe if I was really high, I would have enjoyed one of these. <clears throat> no, Patrick um, didn't. No. <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, the average tomato meter for critics is 54%, and the average audience score is 80%. That's a lot of people that don't have uh, many much standards, basically. Well, people yeah. liked Mike and Molly, too, so. Yeah, yeah. No accounting for taste. That that seems high to me. It it definitely seems high to me. There but were people that were disappointed when Step by Step was canceled. <laughs> the uh, original series doesn't have a critic score, but the audience score was seventy five percent, which right in line with uh, see. But the current, but like for the, I don't, I don't believe it's right in line. <clears throat> no, I mean I like believe, they're yeah. No, I'm, I'm what I believe for that. Why why the old one has nineteen seventy five or nineteen seventy five. Has the seventy five percent is because people went, oh man, Punky Brewster, I used to love that show, and then they rated it. They didn't go back and watch it. No. If they went back and watched it, they went, oh, Punky Brewster, that's a thing I watched. See, that's what's wrong with me. One of the things that that comes with a show is a bit of a double edged sword because, like Voltron, we all remembered it in our heads. Well, at least uh, I'm speaking for all of us, but you know, you kind of remember it in your head, like the current cartoon is. But in reality, the original cartoon was not very good. Uh, but then there's some things that we watch that hold up or are better than we remember. Or I didn't like, but I liked it after we watched it. And, you know, that's kind of what Mike is saying, though. It's like these people yeah. were voting on nostalgia rather than watching it. Yeah, I agree if with you. you. If you watch it, it's, it's a pile of, you know, dung. You can you can go back and listen to our Voltron show and be like, hey, yeah, remember all this. <laughs> like, yeah, man, I totally remember Voltron. It was awesome. Yeah, it's like, man, I must have been dropped on my head as a kid if I liked that. It's interesting, though, how time kind of affects and or, you know, your mentality at that time or whatever, your perception and how things can seem one way. And then when you go back, was it really that bad or is it that you have changed or a little of both? I don't know. I mean, someone should do a podcast to investigate that question. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm trying to do now. In situations like this, this was really that bad. It's not, you know, I mean. I mean, I can't disagree. I mean, it was fun to go back and visit it, but do I ever need to watch it again in the future? No. No. Will I maybe watch a little more of the new show? Yeah. No. No, he yeah. will. Yeah, he, he yeah, will. I probably will. He's got to come over and punch him in the face after afternoon too. But who am I to judge? Uh, you? The guy who judges. Yeah. That's do I? Who you are Ronan the accuser. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You 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 watch stupid shit, Joel. There you go. How's that? I don't. I could not get behind this. You want to dance off, bro? Yeah. Sorry, you couldn't get through this. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. No, just. I mean, I can't say I hate. I. There's no much. I can't say I don't like it anymore. I don't like it. All done. (laughs) It's not. It's not bad enough to like really hate on. It's just so formulaic, rote, vanilla, not. 
Because I, mean, I literally, while watching six episodes of the original and three episodes of the new, I think I left one time. One See, time. I, I thought it was bad enough to hate. I found myself seething with <clears throat> anger watching this, where yeah. at least the original didn't like anger me. It was just like, you know, it was a product of a time. It was just kind of a generic family comedy. I don't like that, but it's fine. This one actually did kind of make me mad with how emotionally manipulative and soulless it was. I think you hit the nail on the head with the description of calling it vanilla. I think that that sums it up very, very perfectly, that it's not offensive. It's not exciting. It's not, you know, the best or the worst of the ice cream flavors. It's It's aggressively non-offensive. It's just it's like they they're afraid to, to take a stand in any kind of a way on anything. So, like, the jokes are all just so blah. The, the characters are so blah. Yep. Everything is so blah because it's written from the point of view of we don't want to offend anything anywhere of any kind. And <clears throat> to start with that is is the death of humor. Because humor at its base is, you know, is is it's caustic. It's got to, it, there's got to be there's got to be some kind of a price paid for something to be funny. And if what you're all you're worried about is is trying to toe a line where no one is ever going to take offense at anything that you say, you're never gonna you're never gonna be funny. I I feel like if they would have done something different and updated it, took some chances, you know, like like Riverdale is a good example of something that could have potentially been very vanilla and but they took some big risks and it kind of paid off. Yeah, you I know? mean because I I don't mean that you strive to be offensive. I just say you can't start from a place where that's what you're the only thing you're worried about because some things you know some things while you're working through something trying to find the funny, you know, some things are are, are are going to be a little, you know, a little questionable. And if you're not making somebody mad, considering how polarized we are as a society, you're probably not saying anything at all. Exactly. And that was the problem that the show had. It's really not saying anything. It's just. It's like when you watch your boring neighbors through the binoculars in the afternoon. Like, oh, look, they're making tacos again. All, you know I mean, all all this show is ever saying, all this yeah. show is ever saying, is Punky is a survivor. Yeah, she's gonna do her quirky thing. And why did she not get slapped to shit after deciding that she's like, sorry, folks? I mean, granted, the, the couple that was coming to adopt the girl were douchey. Yeah, they were the worst. They, they were, were the worst to be that way. Yeah, right. They were written to be that way. But you've just been through the adoption process. You've meeting this girl and the girl the the this girl woman comes out of nowhere and says yeah nah we're keeping her well i mean if, if the show has any kind of uh balls at any point it will have them you know, get sued for that yeah waiting for that to happen i'm not gonna i'm not gonna <clears throat> watch just to you know make sure that they follow through with that storyline oh definitely not but i mean part of it uh, the other thing know, what, what, <clears throat> i will <laughs> thumbs up what um what you said pat actually it was of it being bad there's some things that you watch and they're bad but you're like there's no way this could get worse you know oh man that because there's some there's tons of things that you watch that you're like that was bad oh man that was bad let's see the next one see if it's just as bad this one was bad and was like Ugh, you don't want to see where it goes no can they redeem it you know because there's there's there are shows that we've covered that have started out poorly and have recovered this one started so low that 
it's okay. Go to, you're but, free I mean, we, to the wind. We've had several discussions before about the whole, you know, you guys like likable characters. I don't necessarily care whether a character is likable or, or whether a character is awful or, but they gotta be something. <laughs> mm-hmm. They they can't just be a blank canvas that you throw some some quirks on. They're you know they're not NPCs in a in a role playing game. Well, maybe in the second season they'll bring in Danny DeVito and yeah, uh, <laughs> it'll you know. But make yeah, it I mean, I, I I want to. I don't have to love a character, but I want to at least feel something for him. Mm-hmm. There has to be some sort of connection to it, and I think all these characters <clears> were so. <laughs> plain white paper that you're just kind of like, yeah, that's a thing that happened. Anyway, should we bother doing thumbs up, thumbs down? I think it was pretty obvious, but let's just for the sake of tradition. Yes. Patrick. Thumbs down on both. Josh. <laughs> hey, don't yeah. steal my lines. <laughs> was that was Josh? appropriate in this case. <laughs> yeah, thumbs, yeah, big thumbs down on both. Mike, thumbs down. Joel. Uh, I mean, I, I, I definitely, the, the original, I think deserves a thumbs down. If for nothing else, the final episode was as a final episode was bad. And as a, just a regular episode was bad. And the new one, I, 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 I won't say it's a thumb sideways cause that we use that probably too much. I think I would still give it a, a slight thumbs up, but I don't, cause I think it's better than the, the original in terms of kind of what it's doing. But it's not anything more than uh, a bowl of vanilla ice cream. It's bowl something to eat. It's a, it's a bowl of vanilla ice cream that you buy at the dollar store. It's Ooh. something to eat, but it's not something that you necessarily are going to because, because seek Dots, out. For instance, makes a nice bu- vanilla. Yeah, I was know? gonna say I like some vanilla. <laughs> I mean, it's like the vanilla ice cream that you get in a little cup with a little wooden paddle. So it's, yeah. it's okay. It's great, great value vanilla ice cream. It's, it's vanilla sherbet. It's vanilla sherbet. <laughs> Not it's even olive flavored ice cream. <laughs> not even French vanilla. It's just vanilla. Just vanilla. It's pretty. It's bland. It's called. It's called uh, ice cream. Ice. Or it's iced drink. Or <laughs> what is it made, that Briars is called now? Because they can't call it ice cream. It's <laughs> like, made with with milk oh, with vitamin frozen R. Dairy dessert. <laughs> yes, it's vanilla frozen dairy dessert. Oh God. So, Joel, now yeah. that we've done this, what are we doing next? What's coming up in the next couple of weeks? Uh, well, we're going to be talking about uh, hobbies because we all got hobbies. Uh, we're going to be talking about some uh, mortally type combat and Ultraman. So maybe you think we were too hard on Punky Brewster. I think you're wrong, but I still want to hear from you. Let us know. <laughs> Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And again, you can find our older stuff on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Blueberry. Find us on Amazon Music and wherever we are, if you can, leave us a review. And uh, thanks again to Tommy the Duck. And if you'd like to help out the show, you can find us on uh Kofi, that's K-O-F-I, and uh, help keep the show running. Uh, you can also find our link on our home on the web, which is 40go14.com. Uh, from all of us to you, thanks for listening, and we will be back next week. Punky power! <sighs> Puppy power! Oh, oh my god. No. Yep. Same that's energy. the same thing. It, ma- it made me feel the same way. Punky power and puppy power. Yep. Ouch. Ugh.
I'm just thinking for to go on a 14, if we can get the logo with cufflinks, that'd be pretty sweet for us. That I mean, would like, be pretty nice. They make keychains too. Like a forty going. Imagine forty going on fourteen keychain with the bottle opener on it. <laughs> All right, or not? Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I think that goes under the no column. Yeah, well, <laughs> Joel is definitely a no on that. I like the yeah. idea of keychains. Yourself that song, and you'll always know just what to do. 